0: Lecture Topic Consciousness of Internal Sins <laughs> The purpose of this gathering like any other gathering of this nature any dini gathering any get together where something of deen is going to be discussed. So the objective is to revise, make muzakara of the lessons that we need to keep refreshing in our hearts and minds of those aspects that bring us closer to Allah Ta'ala, of reminding ourselves of what other barriers and how to try and avoid them, how to bypass these barriers that come in our way, in the path of Allah Ta'ala. So these gatherings are nothing but muzakara. but nevertheless, from any gathering, any dini discussion, a person would get what he intends. The Hadith Sharif Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, mal a'amadu bin niyat. So one very clear meaning of this Hadith Sharif is that according to the sincerity a person will be rewarded for an amal. That is one primary meaning of this Hadith Sharif. That if is, there is ikhlas in anything that a person does then it will be acceptable in the court of Allah ta'ala and no matter how great something can apparently be but if it is devoid of ikhlas then it is going to be rejected. Together with that, if a person has made a particular niyat in something, then the barakat of that niyat comes in it. If the niyat is positive, then that barakat of that positive niyat will be derived out of that amal, out of that action. If that niyat is negative, the person will leave with something negative. So if a... attend some dini gathering and the niyat is that whatever I will hear inshallah I will bring into my life make amal then that becomes inshallah a means of a person getting the tawfiq of amal the Allah Taala system regardless of whatever the uh, detail was whether something we heard for the 50th time or the 100th time or anything else for that matter the person's niyat was sincere for amal Allah, Allah makes that possible so therefore this is the very important thing that we should just refresh our intention, refresh our near that why we've gathered, we've gathered solely that to make this muzakara, nothing else, nothing new the same things that we've heard many many times to refresh it and to try and inculcate these things in our lives so this intention Something is meant to be spoken, the same intention is meant to be heard. Allah make it a means of benefit for myself, all of us. Other thing is that these muzakaras on a what we term as islahi note or the majalis of islah and tazkiyah, this too is not something new, not something we haven't heard before. But again the same thing that muzakara of what this is all about when we speak about Islam, we speak about Tazkiyah. So what Islam are we talking about? What Tazkiyah is being referred to? So sometimes we confine this to just specific aspects, whereas it is not confined to any particular part of deen, it encompasses the whole of deen. Sometimes the purpose or rather the Meaning of Islam that we take, that a person for example was involved in some major sins, outward major sins, so he stops that. Indeed that's a very big Islam. It's a very very great step in one's Islam that mashallah a person gave up some haram that he was involved in, person was involved in zina, gambling, person was involved in looking at haram, going to haram places. That's a very big step in Islam, MashaAllah. A person perhaps was not performing his salah, now he starts performing his salah, Alhamdulillah, Summa Alhamdulillah. That's an extremely great step. Very, very great step. And like that, other aspects in terms of what should be done, a person starts making an effort to inculcate it in his life. Things that should be refrained from, a person starts making an effort to get these things out of his life. Alhamdulillah, very, very great. And this is a very fundamental part of Islam. But there are apart from this other aspects as well, which are often not given the same importance in our hearts and minds as we would give that a person, for example, is involved in intoxicant. Somebody Allah forbid is caught up on drugs, and that he must give this up. He must leave it out. So everybody supports that idea, everybody is conscious of it. His whole family would be constantly reminding him, making efforts to get somebody to talk to him, somebody to advise him, that look, this is a very bad thing, this is something you must give up. Indeed, obviously, but everybody is conscious of that, that this is something to give up, something to rid one's system out of. But supposing, and we all be conscious about it, if we see this in somebody, somebody close to us, somebody near and dear to us, Allah Taala protect us, protect one and all and just on this, just to digress a little, all these issues are serious issues but the principle in all these things is that we despise the sin of the sinner, despise the sin and not the sinner, look down on the sin not the sinner. Because tomorrow what's the outcome, neither we know our own outcome, we don't know somebody else's outcome. Where somebody else, what heights he can reach, we have no idea. Allah forbid where we can fall, we don't know. So we can't make any judgment on somebody's tomorrow. We can make judgment on the action. If some action is wrong, so sometimes this too is a uh, misunderstanding. That you can't pass judgment on anything. No, you can pass judgment on what Allah has already passed judgment. Or what Nabi Shlaasam has already passed judgment on. Allah has already passed judgment on gambling is haram. So you have to say gambling is haram. You can't say that don't pass judgment on this. Don't become judgmental on it. You have to be judgmental on what Allah has passed judgment on. Or oh, Nabi Shlaasam has forbidden something. So you're going to pass the same judgment. It is forbidden. You can't. compromising that and saying well okay don't say anything about this don't say it's wrong it's wrong it's wrong but we can't pass judgment on the person's end results this person is involved in this he's a right of Nauzubillah or this person I'm better than him Nauzubillah that we can never ever make such a judgment about anybody or ourselves so in any case a person is involved in something or the other we also be conscious about it, this is something must be given up, Is wrong, Is bad, is harmful, detrimental but that same amount of consciousness that we have about these major sins, which are major sins but apparent sins we don't even have sometimes a very small fraction of that consciousness about some other major sins which lurk within us for example that degree of consciousness about pride, that this pride that is within me which is manifesting itself in different ways. Now, pride is not something anybody can visibly see, this is the malady in somebody's heart, in our own hearts, but it will manifest itself in many ways. How we speak, how we react especially to various situations, somebody said something, somebody did something, within the four walls of our home, How we conduct ourselves, in our businesses, something goes wrong and what kind of language a person starts using, how he treats somebody, somebody made a mistake, what kind of reaction comes from his side, all these things, somebody on the road, somebody cut in front of him maybe while he was driving, anything for day-to-day issues, the reactions are very great indication of what is inside so now we detect obviously the pride within us we might detect jealousy in us if a person just looks little but sometimes we'll be able to see for ourselves that this jealousy is sometimes lurching that a person is wishing somebody else's Na'mad be snatched away from him, something must come happen to him Somebody must get hurt in some way and harmed in some way, destroyed. All these things are lurking in the heart. Sometimes the issue of, for example, Badgumani, harboring baseless suspicions. This happens like on a daily basis. Somebody said something and we jump to conclusions about why he said it. That this was the intent. Because perhaps whatever it was, person made a statement of some sort, said something to us, so now we jump to the conclusion that this person said this just because he wanted to score some point against me. Now, this happens at multiple times daily, but how often have we reflected that from the day of Tiamat, I am questioned about producing the evidence for what I, the conclusion I jump to. That I said, this person said this because this was his intention. Where's that evidence? This was his intention. Can you prove it? This was his intention. I can't prove anything. Have I placed myself on the scene of qiyamud? That uh, could I prove this? I can't prove it. So does this come under badgumani or not? Quran Shari says that, in ba'da if. These thoughts which are baseless suspicions are sin. Now that same consciousness that is there about a person being involved in some intoxicant, which is obviously very serious, somebody in Ausbilla gambling, somebody involved in zina, somebody involved in backbiting, backbiting unfortunately is not even given that kind of seriousness and severity in our situation. So these things which we do regard as severe and are very severe, that same consciousness is not there in our hearts regarding these internal sins. Now, just as a person is conscious about these external sins, this Isla and Tazkiyah is to make this effort to make ourselves conscious of these internal sins also within ourselves, the things that lurk in there. And just as a person with some understanding of Deen, he makes an effort to keep himself clear from the external sins. Person who's got some consciousness of Deen, mashallah, he dresses in an Islamic manner, he has a beard he is seen in the masjid regularly, he'll be very hesitant to walk into a bar. He won't do it. Even if for some reason he's suddenly got an urge to do it, he won't do it. He'll hold himself back from it. You won't see him going to a gambling den. Allah forbid. this won't, won't be the case generally. Why? Because he's conscious of it. I am dressed in an Islamic garb. I am in the masjid every day. I am involved in efforts etc he's not going to go and do all these things but in terms of these internal things very often it's not even any concern that this has to be rectified as well now this is that part of Islam which is being neglected and this is what this gathering is all about to try and bring that consciousness alive first is the first step is the consciousness from the consciousness is the effort. If there isn't a consciousness, then the chances of an effort are far away. And if there isn't an effort, then the chances of rectification is even further away. Because that will only come after an effort is made. That a person who makes an effort, Allah Ta'ala opens the way for him. So this is the whole object, it's only a muzakara only a revision, nothing new. But the revision is extremely necessary. So the Qur'an Sharif itself gives us this command of revision. Keep reminding. وَذَكِّرْ Or oh, Shaykh wa alayhi, so often mentioned this, that this tazkir, zhakir, is in Arabic language, amr. It's an imperative verb. And this is derived from the mubari, which is now grammatical terminology. In this mubari is both the present and the future tense. So in this Amar and this imperative, both these tenses are included. In other words, remind now and continue reminding. The future also is part of this. So this is an ongoing need, ongoing command that this should be done repeatedly. Because this is a reminder is extremely important to keep that spirit alive. And a person who doesn't have any reminders, days go by, weeks go by, months go by, very very soon he'll start seeing a decline. Person who doesn't have any reminders in any manner, whether it is through some gathering of deen, reading some authentic kitabs of the Akavir, Yahdullah, etc. Whatever other means of the reminders they are, he gets no reminders. Then we can write it down. It will start seeing a decline. And everything is a reminder. A person daily is meant to be making his zikr. For example, what is zikr? It's reminding him of the consciousness of Allah Taala. Reminding him, Allah Taala is the greatest. Allah Taala is his sustainer. Allah Taala is his nourisher. The whole. Day is a reminder for us. The child is born the first thing that is to be done is the azan and the takbir. So already 12 times put together in the azan and takbir 12 times Allahu Akbar. Allah is the greatest. So the child is daily born. To us the child can understand nothing doesn't know what's going on but Shariat is giving us this teaching Nabi Guidance and teaching that you give this azan. So, Nabi Salaam will not teach us something that is futile. Nothing that he taught is futile. It's full of benefits, which means that the child is absorbing something. So, now seat the greatness of Allah Ta'ala in the heart of this child. So, now as the child grows, eventually now he's going to start performing salah. So, every day he's going to hear the azan five times a day then come to the masjid, he'll hear the iqama again, five times a day and then throughout his salah, every posture he's going to keep saying the same Allahu Akbar. Now how many times in one day he would hear or say Allahu Akbar? Unfortunately this is done without that consciousness it's done without that istihzar, that presence of mind as a result the full benefit is not derived. Otherwise this, merely this alone is such a great reminder, Allahu Akbar. And when a person is reminding himself repeatedly Allahu Akbar, so many times in a day, so many times he's hearing it, so many times he's saying it, if he's doing it really consciously, then that pride will start getting annihilated very quickly, totally fact. because Allah is the greatest, I'm nobody, I'm nothing. But this again is the same reminder, practical reminder through the Azam, through the Dikama, through the Salah. So like that are these gatherings of deen It's a reminder, nothing but a reminder. And this reminder is very essential. That is why there are so many reminders that are all the time encouraged. For example, the talib in the home. That is a reminder for the whole family. Everybody should get around, have the talib, so it becomes a reminder. For the every person in the household, they get reminded about Salah, get reminded about tilawat of the Quran they get reminded about zikr, get reminded about the sacrifices that were made for Deen, how Deen came alive, and how Deen reached us. So it creates a consciousness, it creates a fervor to start doing the same, start practicing. So this aspect that we were talking about, this aspect of Islam and Tasbihah. So one is Islah, which includes obviously all the external things as well person's salah, his zakat, fasting, Hajj, all come alive. Person must refrain from all the sins, apparent sins. But likewise this other part of deen which is often neglected, the Tazkiyah of the heart, the internal aspects. And these are very, very subtle sometimes, extremely subtle. And these are things which Many a times, they are so subtle that a person cannot even detect that it is there. Very subtle. Not everybody can understand it and detect it. Some things are very apparent. The person is coughing, sneezing, he's got a fever. Even a small child puts his hand on his forehead and tells him he's got a fever. Can understand it. But sometimes there's some cancer lurking inside and it's so subtle, the person himself doesn't know what's going on. And nobody externally can work out what's going on until someday when it explodes, Allah forbid. Something really happens and now everything just erupts. But the expert sometimes, some, some science picks it up. Outwardly, this seems now expert and science and so on. So just as we have the physical doctors, doctors for the physical self, there are those Allah has blessed with that insight and that expertise about the person's spiritual self. Imam Shafi, one person was once insisting upon him that you have this ability of kashf, that certain things you detect and can basically see things that other people don't see, meaning like unseen things. So he is denying it, he's saying I don't have any such thing. This person is insisting that you have it. He says no I don't have any such thing and he's not gonna lie, he's a person of that caliber. He's not going to say something that is a lie. So in any case as they're talking about this, one person happened to pass by a complete stranger. He happened to just pass by. Now they're talking and this person passes by. So the person who was now making this, insisting on you are, Shafir you have this kash. So he just asked, okay, this person who's gone past, what do you think? What is his occupation? What does he do for a living? So he looked at him, looked at his walking, how he's walking, just observed it for a while and then he said he's either a blacksmith or he's a carpenter, He's a blacksmith, iron monk, person working with iron and so on, or he's a carpenter, so the person was debating with Imam Shafiq, now he heard this, so he quickly chased behind that passerby, went and stopped him. He said, look, I just want to ask you, what you do for a living? What you do your occupation? He said, previously I was a blacksmith, now I'm a carpenter. Before I used to work as a blacksmith, now I'm a carpenter. Now, what he made out, how he saw this? What became the means of identifying this? So it is the very fine thing, manifest itself in a person when he is occupied in something. person who is doing something, there are certain very fine signs that come along. Now, not everybody is able to detect that. Somebody of that caliber with that fine sight and knowing the signs, he can detect it. The Hakim put their hand on the pulse of a person and they are reading something. And then they are diagnosing as a result of that what they are reading. Perhaps we might not even find where our pulse is. But they are reading so many signs out of that, and diagnosing, and diagnosing accurately. Now, sometimes after a lot of uh, scans and tests and whatnot, after a lot of other things, then a person, the doctors come to that conclusion, which some expert Hakims come to by merely touching a person's pulse. When Ali came many years ago to South Africa from India, senior person. Maybe about 15, 20 years ago, more, more so. So he was just talking in general, and uh, somebody asked him something. In, in answer to that, he was just saying, "No. When I came, I stopped in Bombay on my way to South Africa because I needed to see this Hakim before I came." So he started talking about the Hakim. So he said, "When he went to the Hakim, the Hakim put his hand on his pulse, and for about a minute and a half, two minutes, carried on." Just doing that and reading the pulse slightly. And then he asked him, Okay, tell me what your problems are. So he read the pulse, he didn't say anything. He asked him, Okay, tell me what your problems are. So he started giving all the problems. I have this problem and that problem and whatever, about half a dozen things he mentioned. So when he stopped, he said, Anything else? He said, No, this this these are the issues that I want to do, treat. So when he, he said, no, nothing else, so the Hakim asked him, but what about this particular issue? He mentioned one thing, so when he said that, so Iqnallillah, that was the main thing I came for. said, I forgot that, that was the main thing I came for, out of all these things, that was the main thing. Now he forgot about it himself, but the Hakim read it through the pulse. Now that's not any kash, that's an expertise, that's a skill. It's a skill that he picked up from training, whatever. But the point is that he can put his hand on somebody's pulse and diagnose deep inner issues so likewise from a person's talk from his walk from his actions and reactions and various things those who allah ta'ala has blessed with their expertise they will detect things which we will be totally oblivious of we'll think very fine about ourselves but they'll point out to us that what we did what we said these are very very these are giving indications of some underlying issues. One person he once had he had invited him to his hometown, so any case others had gone so now he's introducing his hometown and after having mentioned a few things, now he was the only Alim in that town. There was nobody else there. So now, just more in a jovial way, he just said it more in a jovial way. He said, This is the town I am in, and this is who I am in. Among the blind, I am the cockeyed among the blinds. Ando mein, mein kana I said, is ek jumle mein do dawe hoge. In this one line of yours, you've made two claims. Now can we even just, our mind go to anything, any claim in this, the person is, we, if we made, and we would have probably made some kind of statement sometime like this, feeling ourselves to be now making a very humble statement, uh, very humble, say in one statement you made two claims. One claim you already made is that all these people are all rejected, because they're all blind. So you're not talking about blind, no, not physically blind, they say Ando me kana, so all these people are all write-offs. So what basis are you making this claim on? They're all write-offs. And the other, that you are not blind, you are cockeyed, you have one eye field, So you better. So, In one statement, you already condemned all of them, and you claimed you are better than them. On what basis you did this? Now, how fine this analysis was, and this diagnosis was. Now he said it more in a jovial manner, in a light-hearted way, but I was giving a lesson. Now this is that fine-tuning, this is that rectification of the heart, making it very, very conscious. Everything that is said, everything that is done, to be able to judge it correctly. And see where it falls, which side of the fence is falling on, on the right side, on the left side. And to make it very, very sensitive, sensitive to all the aspects of deen. On the sensitivity one incident comes to mind once the whole objective was to read from some, some of the Malfurzat and explain but in any the case these are some day lessons once Hazrat was traveling somewhere and he had stopped somewhere and somebody had given him while he was there a jubba as a hadiyah so now when this jubba was given, he was probably standing at that time, so somebody, one of the khuddam, they said, otherwise we will try it out? He said, okay. So the hadiyah, he accepted the hadiyah. If a person is giving a hadiyah and it, there's no uh, indication of any ulterior motive in it, there is no problem in accepting it, then it's not to accept the hadiyah. So he accepted it. And he said, so accept the hadyas of people who come out of sincerity, sometimes uh, people used to think also, maybe sometimes make comments also, that mashallah, these hadyas are all just flowing in, they're having a good time with all these hadyas. and indeed a lot of people would come and give a lot of hadyas. but this is again, one thing comes out of the other, we're just digressing from the point, just how sometimes we misjudge things, again, this, how shaitan puts thoughts, people jump to conclusions and whatnot. So yes, people out of Muhabbad, out of Muhabbad, somebody will come, they'll give something, so they'll accept it. But then what was the other part of it? So that became his ownership, obviously. Once, there was one kitab that had to be printed. And these kitabs used to be printed and then distributed 99% of the time, just, in fact 100% was all distributed free. So there was a kitab in three volumes, which was the commentary of Hazrat Ash'ar etc., which had been prepared now and it needed to be printed. So people who gathered there, some of the Khuddam and so on, said that uh, now this kitab, we're going to have to print it, but the printer needs the money up front because he needs to buy the paper and needs to do other things. So now he wants advance payment of bulk of that amount and now it's three volumes and you're going to print at least a thousand copies of three volumes, so it's a substantial cost. So Azat asked Kitna uh, Hoga, so this was now some good years before he passed away, so at that time it was amounting to some, I'm not sure exactly of the figure, of the total figure, but at that time the amount that was required immediately for the work to start was approximately seven hundred thousand rupees, seven hundred thousand plus rupees. So, one of the Khadims used to be responsible for keeping Hazrat's things and so on, so he was standing right there. So they asked him, how much money is there in that, whatever you kept? Meaning people's hadiyas, as he came, how much is there? So he went and checked up and came, it was about, just about that amount. All those kitabs are going to be distributed for free. When the need came, there wasn't half a second of hesitation. You give the whole amount away for the printing. And all get distributed. The hadiyah came. But where way it was used, they had no worldly aspirations for any personal comfort and so on. Whatever Allah Ta'ala blessed mashallah, They made shukar upon it and enjoyed the ni'mas of Allah Ta'ala. But this is how it was. It came this how and went this how. So in any case, we digress from the point about this sensitivity, that one is our heart, other is the hearts of the Ahlullah who are connected to Allah t'ala. and when we talk about this connection of the heart to Allah, it is this muhabbat, this very deep intense muhabbat, love. Now Only they know what they're talking about, when they talk about this muhabbat, this love of Allah Ta'ala that they talk about, because this is not something tangible that can be put in front of somebody, okay, you also feel it, you also taste it. It's something inside the heart which is that connection who has it, they have it, they understand what they're having. And when there is muhabbat, muhabbat makes a person extremely sensitive to the extent of muhabbat. Some examples are much more easier to understand than other examples. Sometimes things get very complicated, but with simple examples they become very easy to understand. Among the things that are very very easily to understand, some examples that are very easy to understand, examples of marriage and food, everybody understands very very easily. So now a person who is just newly married, maybe the first day of his marriage, and after a lot of aspiration he finally, that nikah got done. He was trying really hard to get his proposal accepted and finally it came right and now he got married. So now how does he conduct himself in that first meeting, in the first day or two? He is hypersensitive. He mustn't do anything that will cause any kind of negative feeling. Why? It's love that's dictating everything. So now he's trying to express that love in every way and he's suppressing any emotion or anything that he is not happy about something to just so that not to give the slightest negative feeling in anything what is dictating all that only muhabbat now that's how he's heading on nothing but muhabbat is doing that so that he became very sensitive to everything I mustn't do anything that's going to be now create any kind of negativity and he's in different ways to express uh, that muhabbat and love. You'll see him in the first few days, that he's opening the door and so on. And after a couple of weeks, he sometimes forgot to even pick the passengers it's up also. also. So, that intensity in the first few days is dictating everything. So that is the effect of muhabbat, it created a certain sensitivity created that sensitivity now this is for makhluk this is for makhluk and every makhluk like us the Anbi alim were the perfect beings who gave the highest excellence and among them Rasulullah the greatest of all excellence and then as the time went and now people like us we are filled with faults we are filled with all deficiencies so, this is all Makhluk, we are makhluk also. So, despite being filled with deficiencies all around, but that Muhabbat makes people sensitive to each other in such a way that despite the next person's deficiencies too, we have this extent of sensitivity. Why? Because of Muhabbat. Now, when that Muhabbat develops with Allah ta'ala, when that conscious, when that talluq develops with Allah ta'ala, Then can we imagine when a person becomes conscious of Allah ta'ala, what extent of sensitivity will develop in the heart for what will please Allah ta'ala and to refrain from what will displease Allah ta'ala? Because only Muhabbat that makes a person now, in the first few days of marriage, because of that intensity of that Muhabbat, whatever his habits are to, he will be able to easily refrain from it. Then he doesn't say that I can't do without this, I can't do without that. He says, I'll do without everything just to try and keep everything going very well but then after a while when that intensity starts leveling out then somehow he can't manage anything, he can't hold his tongue, he can't refrain from doing things in some wrong ways. he can't uh, bring himself to give quality time, he can't do anything but initially he could do everything. So, What was the difference? It was the intensity of muhabbat. But now when this Muhabbat develops with Allah Ta'ala, then can we imagine Allah Ta'ala is khaliq? Allah Ta'ala is totally free from every blemish, every deficiency. Allah Ta'ala is the creator of every perfection. So when that Muhabbat develops with Allah Ta'ala, what degree of sensitivity it will create in the hearts? That's beyond our comprehension and imagination. Those who Allah Ta'ala blessed it with, they know what they're talking about, what they're feeling. So now just this understanding of this sensitivity. So now we're talking about this incident. Somebody gave this this jubba, the hadiah. So now he was trying it on. Somebody suggested try it on. So he was standing. So he said, okay, let's try it on. So this person opened it out. Now he helped him to put it on. As soon as he put it on, with sort of urgent. He said, Nikalo jaldi, take it out. This person didn't fully understand and comprehend immediately that why should I, you know, that I should take it out quickly. So he started still, maybe, coming around to take it out. So with even more force, he said, Jaldi Nikalo. So he then quickly came and he, well, he was standing there, or whatever. He quickly helped him to take it off. So now when it was off, he moved now. So he shocked. Also, what happened? So, either he inquired or, however, I said, "Didn't you notice that it was already? It was long. Now, it was new. You're we trying it out. So, it was the first time it was just being try, tried out. Didn't you notice it was below my ankles? And if in that moment my moth came, I would have passed away with this thing on me, below my ankles. How would I have met Allah that now this sensitivity, my Allah is." Watching, Allah is aware, and I don't want to do the slightest thing to displease Him. What's directing that? What's dictating that? That muhabbat for So, what am I saying? What am I doing? Now, to make excuses for ourselves is very easy. Sometimes we do something, and we will make some excuse for ourselves. You see, actually, I I didn't want to say it, but that person now, the way he carried on, he made me say it. Your tongue is in your mouth. Did he hold it and shake it? when you say it? So now, that person did something, that staff member or whatever. So now the person starts swearing. I start swearing, and then he realized that he's swearing now. It's not the right thing to do. You see, you, you always make me do this. You make me swear. I became that person's fault. See, my sin on your head, the day of Qiyamah, Allah is going to take you to task for me swearing. No, no, Allah is not going to take somebody else to task for our swearing, for our wrongdoing, for our incorrect actions. That person's wrong, he'll be answerable for, our wrong, we will be answerable for. But due to that lack of sensitivity in the heart, so things will happen, things will carry on, and at the most, we'll make some excuse about it, or we'll think nothing about it. Now, this is what that Islam is all about. That Taskiyah. Creating that sensitivity in the heart. And this comes with muhabbat, with Allah. To the extent that the person has developed this ta'aluk with Allah, to that extent, the sensitivity starts getting created. So that Ilyas he was very ill in his perhaps last days of life and he needed to be helped to even make his wudu. So the person who was going to be helping him to make the wudu, he started pouring the water and washing the hands. He started pouring, instead of pouring from the fingers down, he started pouring from the elbow down. Now The sunnah is that when washing the hands, then you should wash from the fingers down. So in that moment, he just started pouring it from the other end, just went to pour. Uh, he's in his, that moment of time, illness, and he, suddenly, realized this person was about to do this, so he reprimanded him, he pulled his hand away, and reprimanded him, would say, karwana He want me to commit kufr? Now those who have studied Bukhari Sharif, etc, they would understand immediately what context he's using this word in. Ma'am Bukhari, also, titles one chapter in Bukhari Sharif Babun Kufrun Duna Kufrin that various different levels of Kufr So this is now in the uh, not in the meaning of Kufr in terms of the terminology that Kufr which is the opposite of Iman this is not that Kufr but every sin is a kind of a degree of Kufr which is not the Kufr that renders a person's Iman null mal- and void. But it's kufr in a lesser sense. So now he was using this word in that context. But now, in that moment of time, he is still so sensitive to this. That this action that you want me to do now against the sunnah is like you want me to commit a kind of kufr. Sensitivity. Why Allah Ta'ala, that taluk with Allah Ta'ala. So that taluk now created the sensitivity that nothing should happen which might earn the displeasure of Allah Ta'ala. And everything must be done in such a way that I earn the praise of Allah Ta'ala even more. Now where this comes from? This comes from like everything else to perform salah there's an effort behind it to learn to perform that salah correctly. Otherwise if a person didn't learn to perform that salah correctly also many a person performs that salah for years and is doing it in a way that is not valid. Sometimes a person is performing the salah in such a way he's doing certain things which are rendering the salah null and void. Many a times it becomes apparent. That even requires an effort to learn how to perform the salah correctly. So an external amal like salah needs to be learned. That wudu needs to be learned. That manner of correctly fulfilling the fast needs to be learned. The correct discharging of zakat needs to be learned. And many a times people don't learn even these external He bothers correctly. As a result, he will discharge the zakat haphazardly. And now sometimes in a just casual discussion, the person says how he went about discharging his zakat. And it becomes clear, he short paid tremendously because he didn't go about it correctly. He didn't go about calculating it correctly. He didn't bother finding out. A person doesn't learn the external things which are very simple to learn. He doesn't make an effort to learn that. That too will be null and void. Imagine if there's no effort made to learn what is so subtle within the heart of what should be inculcated, how things that are lurking in there which are the cancers, the spiritual cancers of the heart, how that is to be treated, how it's to be removed if these simple amal, relatively, comparatively speaking, which are simple to learn doesn't take too much of an effort. It needs an effort obviously, but it's not complicated, it's simple comparatively but this also has to be learned, there's an effort behind it, that wudu is simple to learn. If a person puts his mind to it, even a child two three times round and he'll learn it. That young child will learn, the does right thereafter. But it needs to be learned, but it's comparatively simple. When that comparatively simple amal also needs to be learned, needs to be, some, some tuition needs to be taken for it, some guidance. Is required from somebody who knows how to do it correctly, and the very deep things in the heart, the very subtle aspects that lurk in there, is that going to be rectified without some expert guidance, without subjecting oneself to somebody's tuition, without an effort to start off with? That is a very far fetched thing. That is very, very far fetched, that will never happen. That requires a person to subject himself to a learning process, to a rectification process. Until that doesn't happen, let alone the deep inner things of the heart, even the external things don't come right, generally. Illa mashaAllah. So this is, is what is all this Islam all about, Taskya all about, this rectification of the heart, often termed as Isla e nafs, this inner self. This inner self is what then dictates what happens on the outer self. What's in the heart, it then expresses itself externally. So now this is also an effort. This is what this whole branch of Tastya is all about. This effort on the inner side. It's effort on the heart. On correcting those things that lurk within us, those cancers that are within us, that pride, that malice, that jealousy, all the various other love of dunya, love of the ego, and looking down upon others, all the other various things that lurk within us, and inculcating all the noble and beautiful qualities, the tawazu, the taqwa, and the inabat ilallah, rujoo ilallah, creating this muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala in the heart, this taluk with Allah Ta'ala, this is what this Islam is all about. This too is an effort, it's a process, there's things to be learned, there's things to be followed up, there's a whole cause that a person has to put himself through and inshallah someday, somewhere with the fuzzle of Allah Ta'ala a person will get to the point so this is the whole purpose of these gatherings to merely just conscientize ourselves this is not anything beyond that it's just merely a reminder for myself for all of us that this is also our need. it's an extremely essential need to focus on our Islam our inner selves our external selves to bring ourselves completely onto the path of being the commands of Allah Ta'ala which pertain to our external selves which pertain to our heart, the sunnah of Rasulullah Allah Ta'ala give me also the tawfiq, give us all the tawfiq inshallah we'll continue after the Maghrib Salah.